little intimidated to sit on Saks' seat, so I'm going to just move it over a little bit. <laughs> I want to sit on Saks' muckle. My, my good friend Ellie Portel texted me a, uh, a picture of the, of the board outside with the announcement that the shear will be in Saks' shear room, so I, I got very nervous. Um, I just want to explain to you what this, uh, what this year is going to be about over the course of uh, however long we do it. Every week I'm, I'm trying to try to come every Thursday night. So I want to give you a sense of like what we're going to try to do. So tonight's going to be more of an introduction to what the point is of what we're going to be trying to do. And maybe a few examples at the end. And then uh, hopefully next week we'll really, really get moving on it. Uh, what, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reviewing, question, reviewing questions halacha that I have been asked and we're going to try to arrive at answers by looking at all different angles. The reason we're doing this is that about 10 years ago I became the rabbi of a shul. By the way, my name is Arya Leibowitz. Nice to meet everyone. Um, I look forward to meeting everyone personally. About 10 years ago I became the rabbi of a shul and people started asking me questions. And Talmudim started asking me questions, alumni started asking me questions, alumni of DRS started asking me questions, and some of the questions were, were very good and were very, very interesting. So what I started doing, unwittingly really, in my high school year, my 11th grade year, I used to start the day and say, you know, I just got the most interesting question yesterday, and I would just say what the shaila was, and a lot of times, through the Shaklavitari, just the, the discussion in Shear, you remember? Yeah. Through the discussion in Shear, some, some new ideas came to my mind that I didn't even think of, angles that I didn't think of, solutions that I didn't think of, etzels that I didn't think of. And at the end of the year, I like to give an evaluation of uh, myself to the, to the Shear, to say what, what went well, what was the best part of the Shear, what was the worst part of the Shear. And it started happening that every year, people would say the best part of the Shear was when we did the Shaila of the Day which doesn't say much for my Gemara teaching ability, but, <laughs> but at least that part, it seems that uh, the people that people enjoyed. And then I started doing it in the shul, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, changing names of important characters, but, uh, but and people seem to enjoy it. But I think the, the, the reason that, that I think it's important to learn through halacha in this way um, is that, you know, I walk into a, to a, a, a high school classroom, and the first thing I'll ask if I'm supposed to teach halacha is, how many people, by a show of hands, is your favorite subject in the entire world, halacha? And I'm the only one that raises my hand. And everyone else is just sitting there looking at me like, why, it's so boring, it's so dry, why would it be my, my favorite subject? And what we try to show is, it, it should be the most interesting subject in the world, because it is what affects our daily lives from the time we wake up in the morning until the time we go to sleep at night. And what's more interesting than relevance, than something that actually relates to our daily lives? So what we're going to try to accomplish is the following. We want to appreciate how much more interesting halakha can be when we use real-life scenarios. For example, just to give an example, I could sit in Darshan about No Saint Tam Lefkam. I learned, to be, I learned Yaradeya in this space Medrash, so it's uh, bringing back memories. So I could sit and talk about No Saint Tam Lefkam and the Lumbus of No Saint Tam Lefkam and all the, uh, the, the angles of it. And, you know, I had a Talmud, actually, that was first, uh, it was a Ben Torah, and they asked him to speak in his shul on Shavuos at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he happened to have been learning Yaradeya at the time. He was learning for Smicha, and he said, what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea if I talk about No Saint at three in the morning in the shul to the Balabatim? <laughs> no, that's a terrible idea. But if you, but if you, if you say the topic is no Saint of God, no one's interested. But what if the topic is the following? I got a phone call. This is all true stories. I got a phone call from uh, from Talmud Erev Shabbos. It was about a half hour before Shabbos. He was fairly newly married. He lived in a garden apartment, and uh, the window was open in the kitchen. And apparently, a squirrel had come in through the window. And the squirrel went straight into the oven. And they quickly closed the oven door. They wanted to trap it, so they trapped the squirrel. His wife was, like, in a different city by the time, you know, like, and, and, and what's he going to do? He can't get the squirrel out. No one's coming right now. He needs to get the squirrel out. He's trying to bang on the oven to get the, you know, he, the, the thing doesn't. So what does he do? He turns on the oven, right? So, uh, so he wants to know, is my oven trait now? Is it, uh, you know, the, the, the squirrel was cooking there for a good 30 seconds before he realized, before he hopped, wait a second, this isn't so comfortable. And he got out the same way that he, that he came in. 
So you start with that, and all of a sudden you talk about, well, is the squirrel nosing time of gum? The people on Survivor apparently don't think so. I mean, the, 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 is it, what is it exactly? Does it trip up the oven? Is it, does it create enough, uh, enough reicha? Does it, what, what is it exactly? So all of a sudden you have a shayla that sounds much more interesting, and you can go through all the yesodos, but when you have that goal in mind that I want to answer this shayla, now it becomes so much more interesting. Or for example, you have a sugya of your chavero. I go and I paint your house while you're gone, and now it looks so much more beautiful, now I demand payment. But you never asked me to paint your house. So that's somewhat interesting, but it's a little more interesting when a woman calls me up and says, I took my shetel to the shetel macher for it to get cleaned, and the shetel macher saw that the shetel was a little bit in disarray, and she decided that she has to put more expensive hair into it. She has to fill it in with more expensive hair. And now she charged me for it, because it's a beautiful shetel that she gave back. I never asked her to put more expensive. I do. It is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Now all of a sudden you have to answer the shayla. What does she owe her? Does she owe her anything? Is this a trick that every shaytelmacher should do? Should just start doing more expensive things, and then they'll be able to get away with it and just just make more money? So again, it just gives a new, a new, uh, a new view of the whole of the whole sugi. I'll give you one more one more example. You could talk about. From today till tomorrow, about Lifnei Iver and Chil Hashem, a guy in my shul comes to me on a winter morning. One of the, I think last it was the last year that it snowed like every single day from yes. like uh, yeah, from like October till March, right? So it was a winter morning on a Shabbos morning, and there was a ton of snow on the ground. Comes over to me on Shabbos afternoon at Mincha, and he says, "I came home from shul this morning, and my my walkway was cleared, my driveway was cleared, everything was perfectly cleared of snow." And my neighbor, who's a Jew, but is not yet religious, was in his driveway with his brand new snowblower that he was very proud of. And he said, I took care of it for you. I took care of your whole walkway. Are you allowed to say thank you? Can be machziki de over on Shabbos. He sat there using his snowblower, a yid, on your property. Are you allowed to, well, you could talk about getting Hanav from Maisa Shabbos. Is that called getting Hanav from Maisa Shabbos? If you walk on the pathway, do you have to dock go walk in the snow, not on the pathway? Can you buy him something to say thank you, a bottle of wine or something to, to say thank you for something like that? Again, these, these sugis are all sugis that we're familiar with, but it just gives a little bit more time when you have, a, uh, when you have something like that. We should also appreciate sometimes through seeing what Postcom say about a lot of these cases, how clever Postcom can be. My, my good friend, Rav Shmuel Marcus, who's one of your uh, Rebbeim, phenomenal, phenomenal Tam Chachem and Mensch, Palmidos, um, told me a while ago in Maisa, he's, I don't know if you know Rav Shmuel Marcus from Toronto originally, so he told me a Maisa with Rav Shlomo Miller. Listen to, to this Maisa, how clever a Postcom can be. Rav Shlomo Miller had a Shaila, someone came to him that... Um, they were making a shever brachas in their house, and they put up this massive crackpot of chalent. They filled it with all the good food and everything, a massive crackpot of chalent for the big shever brachas they were going to make on that Shabbos in their house. There's only one thing they forgot to do. Turn on the crackpot. It was off. And it was ben hashmashas now. What do you do? It's already ben hashmashas going into Shabbos. So what do you do? So normally you'd say, well, it's a big sort gadol, so you, you, you need to, to be Michal Shabbos, so you can't be Michal Shabbos yourself, but if it's a Shas Chak, and it's, you, could, you could maybe do an Amira, Amira La'akum in some way, this Shas Chak, if you can figure out a way that it's only a Drabana, but it's not only a Drabana, you could figure something out maybe along those lines. What do you do in this? But it is only Drabana because it's Ben Hashmashos, so if you do Amira La'akum, Ben Hashmashos, you going to turn on the oven, but that's not going to work. Why is that not going to work? Then a guy is cooking the, the whole chalent. So, so you, can't, you can't have him turn on the chalent. You can't have the guy turn on the crockpot, then you put the chalent in, because then it's a Jew cooking on Shabbos, and you have skila. So what do you do? So Shlem Miller said, he said, on the spot, without thinking, he said, I mean, obviously he thought, but he thought much quicker than most of us think. He said, he said uh, have a guy turn off all the electricity in the house, have another guy put this, turn the switch on the crackpot while, while the electricity is off, then have the guy turn all the electricity back on. What does that solve? What does that solve? The Gemara of Adzar, when it talks about Bishalakum, the Gemara says that if you burn, if you light a fire on an entire swamp, and it happens to burn some grasshoppers, and it cooks some grasshoppers that are in the swamp, 
grasshoppers are kosher, some grasshoppers are kosher, some Svartim have Masora. They say that it's pretty good with a little bit of salt and pepper, but uh, I, I wouldn't try it. So they, if you if you burn the whole the whole swamp down, and there's a little bit of and there's a there's there's something that happens to get cooked when you burn the whole thing. Since he's not really cooking that, he's burning the swamp. Elamai, there happened to be something there, so he doesn't even realize that he's cooking. If you would ask him what he's doing, he wouldn't say I'm being mivasho. He would say I'm I'm arson. That's what I'm doing. I'm lighting lighting fire in the whole swamp. That's how he would respond. He wouldn't say that he's being mivasho. So if you tell the guy to shut the electricity off in the house and someone else turns on the thing, then the guy doesn't know why he's shutting off the whole electricity in the house, why he's turning on the whole electricity in the house. Maybe it's not Bishalakum. So you've avoided Bishalakum. You have a Shvus to Shvus B'makum. It's a Makum Saraf Gadol. And it's Mutter. It's only still Benesh Mashals. The Pitchus, to be able to think of that, Mamash on the spot. I get such a Geshmak out of that. So to see... Part of what we're going to try to do is to see the, the, how clever Talmidei Chacham can be, how clever uh, big Rabbanim and Poskim can be. And most of the time, the cleverness and the Rabbanim and the Poskim are certainly not me, but uh, I get the Shaila, and then one of the steps that every good rabbi has is he knows who to turn to, and discuss the Shaila with, ask the Shaila to, and you see how different people, how different people think. I also want to try to accomplish to see the development of halacha. A lot of times people uh, view halacha as you learn kitzur shulchan aruch, so you see what it says in the halacha. Say so this is asr, this is mutter. You know, there's such a thing as as lamdus in pesach halacha as well. We often think of it as two separate things. There's a lamdin and there's a paisik. There, never the twain shall meet. It's not really true. It's, uh, there's, uh, there should be a certain amount of of lamdus in, in pesach halacha, a certain amount of havan of the whole sugya. If a person and you don't have to believe me about this. If, uh, if, if, if the Mechaber writes it in the Sakdama, don't read the Shulchan Aruch and think that you know what the Allah is. You have to read the whole Beis Yosef, you have to learn from the whole Sugya, and then you'll know what the Allah is. Because things change just a little bit from the way it's written in Shulchan Aruch. The case changes just a little bit. You have to know what the Yisod is, you have to know what the whole thing is based on, and then you'll be able to arrive. At a, uh, at a at a proper psak, you have to also know how to identify what the issues are, and this is the first step. This is the most important step. Someone asks a shaila, and you have to know, know where do I open up a shulchan aruch? Is this a shaila in what? Now, with every halacha, I could you could with almost every shaila that has any sort of complexity, you have to open up the shulchan aruch to more than one place. You have to be able to identify what are the issues. In the in the psak halacha, the famous ma'aseh they tell. I'm sure you've uh, you've heard it before, but it's a great great ma'aseh to tell, uh, where someone questioned Reb Chaim on the need for lamdus in psak halacha. Reb Chaim was at like a tells of chasna or something. I don't know. And they were uh, they were they were they were hacking him about why they need the whole brisker uh, analysis and why you need to be such a lamdin. So Reb Chaim said, let me give you an example. He says, what if you have a uh, a non-Jew who had a piece of meat cooking in the pot? And a Jew is cooking right next to them, and a piece of meat flies out of the guy's pot and lands in the Jew's pot. We don't know the size of the piece of meat, we just saw something flew out of the guy's pot, and the non-Jew was cooking non-kosher food, and the non-kosher piece of meat flies out of the guy's pot and lands in the, in the Jewish woman's pot. What's the halacha? So the other Rav says, that's Pasha. It's a suffix. We don't know if it's, uh, if it's if it was definitely rove kosher. I mean, it certainly wasn't a piece of meat that was so large that it was going to be rove of the of the other woman's pie. But it's a suffix, whether it's shishim or not, whether it's bitul b'shishim. So the halach is shishim is only min b'mino if they're both cooking meat. So it's min b'mino. They're both the same the same kind. So min b'mino midar rice is bottled for rove. And it's only midrabbanon that you need shishim on min b'mino. But you don't even know if it was shishim or not. So it's a suffix drabbanon l'kula. Never had a simpler shaila in my life. Suffix drabbanon l'kula, for sure it's kasher. Rav Chaim said, yeah, that's true. It's min b'mino when it's two pieces of meat. But the meat that the nanju was cooking, probably they didn't do malicha on it. Why would, why would the nanju do malicha? So you don't just have meat, you also have dam. You also have an isra of dam. An isra of dam, dam with, with basar, is min b'sheino mino. Oh, so now you have min b'sheino mino. You have dam going with basar in the same pot. So it's min b'sheino mino. Now shishim is daraisa. Now you need shishim daraisa, not rabbanon. So the other Rav said, I can't believe I didn't think of that. You're right, it's l'chumra. It's a savik daraisa, so savik daraisa l'chumra. So Chaim said, but wait a second. Rav Rishonim hold that when dam is already cooked, it's only mid rabbanon. So if the non-Jewish woman was cooking it already in the pot, so Mustam, it was dam that was cooked already, so it's only drabanan. So it's vaiter safik drabanan, not a safik daraisa. So the other rab said, you're right. I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Safik drabanan lakula, we should be making again. Rab Chaim said, but wait a second. The animal, 
is a nevela, and dam nevela is not only asam yishum dam, but dam nevela is also asam yishum nevela. Meaning dam nevela is two isurits. It's asam yishum dam, but it's also nevela. Nevela is nisadar, right? Cooked dam is only asam yidrabanan. Cooked nevela is still asam yidoraisa. So yeah, the blood was cooked, but that takes away the issue of Dami Daraisa. It doesn't take away the issue of Nevela on the blood on a Daraisa level. Mel the Dam is still Daraisa. It's Min Bishayno Mino with the meat that it falls into. So it should be uh, it should be, it should be a Savik Daraisa Lachamra. Rav said, Yeah, you're right. Okay, again, I uh, I, I stand corrected. Wait a second. <laughs> the Taisis and Psachim Dapchav Beis. Taisis and Psachim says that blood is not Asamishim Nevela. Only the, the basar of the animal is also Mishum Nevela. The dam is not included in the Yisr Nevela. So again, right, in some versions, Reb Chaim then pointed out a few more steps, you know, depending on how much of his life you, you assume Reb Chaim spent in this conversation, uh, the story can go on and on. But the, the, the point of the story is not just, you see, also, what can we illustrate with the story? Now, if I came here on, uh, late on a Thursday night and said, okay, today we're going to talk about the Yisr Nevela, the Yisr of Dam, like uh, that certainly wouldn't have... Uh, uh, garnered much interest, I don't think. I mean, I don't, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but I assume it wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have garnered much interest. You see it in that context, and all of a sudden, it does. But the point is that it requires some, some analysis and some piklus and some, some chachma to be able to just spot what the issues are. Do I open up to, to the halachas of min vimino, min v'sheino mino, of nevela, of dam? What, what is the shaila that I'm dealing with? So we need to be able to know what the shaila is in order to be, in order to do it. Now, to hear uh, about Rabbanim and the Shailas that they get is certainly important if you ever plan on being a, a Rav. It's important to, to have that kind of Shemush, to hear the kinds of questions that are asked. But even if you're not going to be a Rav, it's important to know how to ask a Shaila. A lot of times people ask the wrong Shaila. People ask a question and the, 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 uh, they're not really asking what the Shaila really is. And the, the rabbi has to say, well, wait a second, there's a detail over here, over there, and you discover what the, what the real shaila is. So it's important to know how to think in a certain way so that you'll know on your own what is the real shaila here, what's not the real, the real shaila here. With another benefit of just hearing the kinds of things that come up, at least I've seen in my high school year, is usually starting from January and on, I start getting a lot of texts from high school Talmudim. I'm out in winter vacation. I'm at a certain place and I saw this happen. What's the halacha? Can I eat this? Can I do this? The guy did this. What? And because all of a sudden, something that used to have been something that they went to be either they went to pay attention to, or something that they thought was a funny thing that happened. But if you start viewing the world with halacha glasses, you start seeing the whole world through the prism of halacha. So then you see learning in everything, and you see Torah in everything, and you see that the Rebbeinu Shalom is what to say about everything. And you're able to, to view the world in that way, and that's, that's a phenomenal thing when you, when you get to, to viewing the world in that way. So tonight, I don't know what time I'm supposed to finish. No one told me. What time oh. am I supposed to finish? <laughs> Tuesday, you said? <laughs> I, I don't see it. 10.50, 11, 11.15? Yeah, okay. Whatever. So whatever time. However uh, long he wants to go. But I'll give you, I'll give you an example. And in, in the future, I really had no idea what this is going to I mean, in the future, maybe me and two other guys after tonight. I don't, I don't know how it's going to be. But, uh, but, but at least tonight, we have an island. But in, 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 the, uh, in the future, if you prefer to have Mar Makomos, uh, you know, to, to really go through each Shaila, um, we, we could certainly try to do that. But I just wanted to uh, show Rabbi Mursky before. I had this interesting Shaila. I'm not, I'm not trying to bribe anyone. Notice anything strange over here? Yeah. Yeah. A guy in my shul came over to me. What, what's strange? Yeah. A guy in my shul. He's holding up a dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> a guy. It's a five dollar bill. I'm not so cheap. A guy in my shul came over to me and said he was buying something in the supermarket. Or somebody was buying some milk or something, and he was uh, took out a five dollar bill to pay. And he looks at the bill as he's about to pay, and he sees right across Abe Lincoln's head, it says Yud K Vav K in black letters in pen written on the bill, <laughs> and then on the back of the bill, right above the White House, Yud K Vav K. Right on the top of the bill, and he said, "What? What do I do?" He, he so he took the bill back and he paid with a credit card or something. So I immediately looked up online. It turns out Abe Lincoln did not have a tattoo of UK Vulcan. <laughs> someone, someone has has vandalized this bill. But so where do we open up the halacha and shulchan Where do we find a halacha about this? What do you do about this? Where Where do you find what? This is a shaila in Hilchos. 
Erasing Akadosh Baruch Who's going to erase God's name? Uh, okay, that might might wear out if you erase Hashem's name. So every time you flip a safer, it's not intentional. It's not it would be very slow. What else? What could be the problem? What could be the problem? That's what I'm asking. Good. That's exactly what I'm asking. What could be the problem? Oh, so you're certainly not treating the Kodesh name respectfully. You're being mezalzalni in shameless. So, like, would you put a safer on and, and, uh, on the ground? Would you bring a safer into the bathroom? You bring the shame Hashem every time you go into the bathroom. You bring the shame Hashem with you into the bathroom. So, can you do that? Or people are, you know, you have shame Hashem written on a random piece of paper. It's gonna end up in the garbage. So, if you here, you don't have that problem. Why don't you have that problem? People don't throw five dollar bills in the garbage. So maybe this is less of an issue over here because it's something that people that people would respect. Is there any other issue over here besides for how people treat shame Hashem? Eventually, dollar bills are destroyed by the treasury. Eventually, dollar bills are destroyed by the treasury, and therefore, it's a shailin. Mechika sashem. That it's going to eventually be erased. Are you causing the mechika by keeping this in circulation? Because eventually, if you take out the dollar bills in your wallet, I don't have very many of them, and you look at the and you look at the the the, the dates on the bills. So I have two thousand nine. I have two thousand nine, and I have. 2003, ooh, real old one. And where are the where are the bills from 1960 and from 1970 and from They're all gone. What happened to all of them? So they're all gone because the treasury gets them back from the banks and the treasury destroys all of them and prints new money because paper money is not uh, does not last very long. That's what happens to money. So by keeping this in circulation, you're causing it to one day one day be destroyed. Is that a problem? Now, there's something you're missing over here, though. There are two things I think you might be missing. There are still other issues over here. You're assuming... The way how it's written, is that enough to be... Ah, you're assuming this has Kedusha. That just because it has the letters Yudke-Vavke, that it has Kedusha. Does random writing on a dollar bill have Kedusha? Does it have to be Ashuris? Well, it sort of is Ashuris. Um... Does, does, would, it, would it have Kedusha necessarily? Would it depend on who wrote it? Ah, oh, would it depend on who wrote it? The Rambam writes in Hilchus Yisodei HaTorah, Paragvav Hilchus Yisodei HaTorah, Aval Min Yisraeli, Shakas of Sefer Torah. An Apikoros writes a Sefer Torah, a Jewish Apikoros writes a Sefer Torah, Sorfin also, Ima Askaros Shabo. That's not the Rambam's Kedusha, that's the Ferish Gemara. Yisodei HaTorah and Gittin. So Yisodei together with the Askaros Shabo. With all the shemos that are in the Sefer Torah. Why, says the Raman? He wasn't writing it for Kedusha Sashem. He doesn't think it's anything. He's treating it like any other word. It's a word like any other. He treats it just like anything else. And I, so why do you have to burn it? It's just like any other word. You don't have to burn any other word. Why do you have to burn this? Why do you have to burn this, such a Sefer Torah? Really, you shouldn't have to burn it, but this is the handiwork of a min, and we don't want to leave the handiwork of a min around. It's a chil Hashem to allow the handiwork of a min to survive. That's how the Rambam understands. Rashi seems to understand differently, Masech is getting. Rashi seems to understand that the min, Mestama, wrote this Shemos in the Sefer Torah, L'Shem Avodazarah. So these are shameless that were, it's not that they're words like any other. It's just that since Amin wrote them, we want to just be, wipe out any, any remnant of anything Amin did. But it was written the shame of Odazara. What about this? Now, Rav Asher Weiss has a tshuva. I was very excited. The Chelet Beis of, of Minchas Asher, he has a tshuva about a woman who became a Balas tshuva. And she was very embarrassed. She had a tattoo from before she was from of the Shem Hashem. It's like uh, the in thing, you know. She she felt very proud of her Judaism, so she got the Shem Hashem mamish tattooed on herself. So she wanted, but it's embarrassing to have her from woman to have a tattoo. It doesn't go well with the tichel. So so what do what do you do about the tattoo? So she wanted to know, can she have the tattoo erased? So Ravasha's first thought was, well, wait a second, who wrote the tattoo? Who wrote the the shame? So it was the it was the tattoo artist that was writing the shame. It wasn't the woman that was writing the shame, right? And tattoo artist is probably not a Jew, probably not someone who was thinking about a Kodesh Baruch Hu. What do you show the tattoo artist? I don't know, but apparently what you do is you show them a design, and they copy the design. So for him, the Hebrew letters, the Hebrew characters, were just a design. 
In the Aron Kodesh, my shul, the the, uh, the the doors of the Aron Kodesh have have two luchos on them, and it has uh, you know the headings of the Asaras Adibros, and the letters are just a little crooked. Why are the letters crooked? Because the guy who built it for us is a guy who did it for free. There's a guy who lives two blocks from the shul, and there are a few friendly neighbors who uh, invite him for kiddush every week. The guy is a Jew. His name is Steve Cohn. He's not a from Jew, but he's a Jew, and they invite him for Kiddush every week, and they, they, uh, they're nice to him. So he said, I want to do something nice for your synagogue. So he built us a $15,000 on Kodesh for free. He, he works in the business. So he wanted another letter. So we showed him the letters. But to him, it was just, it was just a design. So he put a little crooked, a little, uh, little side. It's still very nice, and we're very grateful. But it, it's just a design. So certainly the tattoo artist is, is, is not... Uh, so if you hold like Rashi, that only doesn't have Kedusha, because it's L'Shem HaVadazara, well, he didn't do it L'Shem HaVadazara. If you hold like the Rambam, that he didn't do... Anytime you're not doing L'Shem Kedusha, it's nothing. So then it's nothing. Rav Asher points out, just uh, mentioned Derek Agav, you know, there's a halach of Godol Omer al You have a din of uh, L'Shma by Eget, or uh, by L'Shma by Matzazim, where Godol Omer al where you have someone who's a bardas that's standing right next to the guy who's standing right next to the katan, and maybe the das of the person who's Omer al will count. So he says, so maybe the woman is getting the tattoo, her das is going to, you know, even though, even though the, the tattoo artist is writing, her das is going to count for something. So he says there's two reasons that, that, that that's not true. So first of all, there's no din of Gadol Omer al by by Shemel's Kedoshim. It's not uh, by Lashma of Shemel's Kedoshim. But even if there was, he says, from what you hear from people who get tattoos, they you ask them, what are you thinking while they're giving you a tattoo? So what you're thinking is about anything but the fact that they're giving you a tattoo, because it is apparently excruciatingly painful. I once one of my Balabatim is an anesthesiologist. He asked me if he let a tattoo parlor asked him to work for them to give anesthesia to, uh, to people he wanted. That was also an interesting shayla. A Jew comes in and he's going to give him anesthesia so that the Jew will be able to get the tattoo with left state. But you think about anything but, so it's not, it's not uh, Omer al-Gad. It's certainly not a profession for a nice Jewish boy to be giving anesthesia at a tattoo parlor. <laughs> but, uh, now, uh, okay, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, beside myself up here. I, I asked um, five people, why would someone write the shame UK Valka and on a $5 bill. So if we could figure out why someone did it, maybe we could figure out whether it has Kedusha or not. And I got five different answers. So what do you think? Why would someone do this? Well, it says in God we trust, so maybe you wanted to replace in God with, with Hashem's action. So you think who, what kind of person would do that? Like, get, be yoreed into the, the mind. Someone who is like the same person who got a tattoo. Type of, that type of person. Like a spiritually oriented yeah. person who yeah, was so doing like this because he thought, why would you write God, G-O-D, right? You know, Real Shem Hashem. Could very well be. I didn't hear that one yet. Yeah? Uh, could be the person that wrote it. Uh, maybe wanted to uh, donate that dollar, that bill to Hekdesh. <laughs> Certainly didn't hear that one. <laughs> now, the, but according to, to either one of you, then it is written Bikdusha. I Meaning it was written having the Kavana, the Shem Hashem. Maybe I'm, I'm just more cynical. My, my first, yeah? I would say it's probably going the Shem Goy l'shem of Zara, mamish. How many goyim know how to write? The Christian churches that like their thing is Yud and they have in mind when they're writing Yud Kevavke Yashka. No, they have in mind Hashem probably, but but with the Trinity and the whole Shitah. So that's about the Zara. Okay, maybe. Sometimes cashiers write on bills to check it. Maybe it's like a non-religious Jew who just that was something they always. That they just randomly yeah, yeah, yeah. on both sides. Don't check five dollar bills. They check hundreds. One more, and then I'll. I thought it was not currency. That was my. That was my thought. <laughs> and then you think like we, we we're both sick. I think. <laughs> but, but someone, I, I thought someone who wants to rebel, someone who probably grew up from, and said, you know what? Let's see how how much from people love their money. You know, let's see what they'll do. I'll put it on the money. We'll see how carefully they treat the Shem Hashem. So he's writing Lahachis. So is that called the Shem Kedusha? Someone's writing Lahachis? Now, I don't know that that's why this was written. That was my first thought. You know, like the mice that they tell of the, and this happens every once in a while where a Bachar is thrown out of Yeshiva and he gets upset at the Yeshiva, so he writes, this is the first chuv about this, this is in the Chtam Seifa, Chtam Seifa is an actual chuv about this, where, uh, where it wasn't about a Bachat or a Yeshiva, but it was a similar shayla, where the, the guy goes and writes the Shem Hashem Yudke Vavke on the bathroom wall, 
So what do they do? You can't erase it, but you can't leave it there. Or the teacher who accidentally, when he's writing a pasuk on the board, accidentally writes the Shem Hashem on the board. Salvation got such a shyly, he told them they have to cut out the board and bury the board. Unbelievable, no? <laughs> most most folks would say, let the guy who comes clean up at night, let him clean up and don't say anything. You know, he's not, it's not Amira, but, okay, so also a different shayla. I don't want to get, but the, these are, uh, but they say that the, my favorite one is the Bachar, I mean, none of it is good, but the, the, the Bachar who, uh, who was thrown out of Yeshiva and went into the base Medrash that night and wrote the Shem Hashem over here on the, on the pages of every Sefer so that you can't open the Sefer because if you open the Sefer, you're erasing the Shem Hashem. That's a bacha that they should have taken hold of and gotten it, you know, or someone with a brain like that. With a brain like that, you can't lose. But uh, there, there are all sorts of shadows like this. So we, the bottom line is we don't know. We don't know if this is written the shame Kedusha or not. Now, there is a, uh, a tshuva in the Nitziv about uh, shamos that are written where it's understood by the person who's writing it that it's not meant l'kim. It's not meant to be there for a long time. Nitziv, uh, the context of the Nitziv is uh, printing press. What they used to do, if you look at old Sfarim, I once had the privilege, one of my, uh, one of our uh, alumni in DRS, one of my Talmudim called me up and said, um, there's an, an old Sfarim exhibit at Sotheby's, the auction house. Um, and I'm giving a private tour today to Rav Shechter. Would you like to come with me? So it's me, Rav Shechter, and this, and this guy. Um, very good guy, Menachem uh, Butler. Some of you know. So it's Miru Shafter Menachem Butler. Would you like to? Would you like to come take a tour? Sure. Why not? Wasn't doing anything else. It was a summer day, and uh, so I went. You look at the bindings of old Svarim, and in the bindings you see Hebrew words. Because what they used to do is when they would publish the first copy of the Sefer, so they would they would they would publish it once so that they could go through it, the galleys of the Sefer, so they go through see if there are mistakes. What are they gonna, and then they correct all the mistakes for the real publishing. What do they do with the old one? With the first one that they published, that they corrected? So they use that to make bindings of the Svarim. So all these publishing houses, all these old galleys of Svarim, they didn't know what to do with it. And they, they published it just for editing purposes. So Nitziv writes that the person who's writing can control whether it has Kedusha or not. So if your das is that it shouldn't be there long term, your das is clearly that it shouldn't have Kedusha. And even if you don't have that explicit das, if your understanding is that you're just publishing galleys, then it doesn't have Kedusha. It's a huge nafkamina for the Parsha sheets in every shul. And most of the shapes, Marmokamos or whatever, where people don't assume that you're going to keep the Marmokamos forever and ever. They say you'll use it for the shir, and then you'll leave it on the table in the shul, and eventually, magically, it will disappear somehow. We don't ask too many questions. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, it's crippling the amount of shame. So there are a lot of sheetas in the postcard about exactly how to deal with it, depending exactly what's on it. But maybe if a person's writing on dollar bill, knowing that it's not going to last, obviously dollar bills remain in circulation for a couple of years, 10 years maybe, but 10 years is a long time already. So it's hard to say that temporary, that that's called temporary. Right? Probably someone's writing on dollar bill is not thinking about how long. But is this even called mechikas shame? The fact that you, you mentioned before, that eventually the treasury is going to burn. Is that Mechika? There's a Tshuva Ramesha, and everyone else who was alive at the time had a Tshuva about this Shaila, where there was a guy who was uh, had some sort of disease where he had to be quarantined. And uh, he had to be in quarantine for whatever it was, three, 30 days, three months, whatever it was. But the, 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 the doctor said whatever goes in with him cannot come out with him. And they're going to have to burn anything that goes in with him. So can you bring his tefillin in? You bring a sitter in. It's gonna, they're gonna bring, he's not gonna have to burn it. They're going to burn it. So half the post can make it, half the post can Whatever you call it, kula Half the post said yes, half the post said no. So what was the svar to say yes? So part of the svar to say yes was you're not telling anyone to burn it. You're not, at, you're not, you're not gonna be the one to burn it. It's just going to happen. So you know it's going to happen, but who knows? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's out of your control. Eventually, a lot of things happen, but it's not, you know, it's not Amira. It's not, and a lot of other postcoms said, well, wait a second. When we talk about Mechikas Hashem, it's not just about whether you're doing the Maisa Iser. You have a responsibility to protect the Kedusha Hashem. So if you know that you're going to leave Kedusha Hashem in a Mutal B'Zayin or worse, to be Nisraf, so that's a real problem. Yeah? Is, there, is it an Isra for the guy? 
I don't think it's in the Sermon of Baruch Hashem. It's Losasen Kehim Hashem Elkechem. That's the Din on the Jews, I think. Losasen Kehim Hashem Elkechem. Yeah, I don't think it's in the Sermon for the guy to do. I don't think so. So the next, the next step is, let's assume this does have Kedusha. And let's assume when you give it to someone, you either have to worry that the treasury is going to burn it, or at least that someone's going to bring it into the bathroom, or that someone's not going to treat it properly. So let's assume we have to be machmir about this on some level. So is there any Eitzah? So now we also have to think about, so what do you mean Eitzah? It's $5, so put it in Shemus. Does Dina the Malchus Dina cover this? That you're not allowed to put in, you're not allowed to put in Shemus? You're not allowed to go bury dollar bills for everyone. It's illegal. I think. <laughs> I didn't really look it up, but I'm assuming that it's illegal. And that's a rational law. It's a normal. What's the what's the gather when Dina the Malchus Dina is binding when it's not binding? So generally speaking, if it's a reasonable law and it doesn't conflict with Dine Torah, so it would be binding. So this is a, it's four different sheetas, whatever, but let, you know, there's not, we're not going to go into the whole thing of Dine Malchus Dina, but generally speaking, Dine Malchus Dina would be binding. So as long as it's a reasonable law and it doesn't conflict with Dine Torah, but does this conflict with Dine Torah? Well, I don't know. I don't really know if it's written the same Kedusha. So Misafek, is there another Eitzah? You just keep it. So my, my first thought was, go into a pizza shop that just opened up today. You know, and buy, <laughs> buy the first size pizza. They'll frame it. They'll put it on the wall. And it'll, be, it'll be... Okay, but then they'll, you know, in, at least where I come from, the chances are it will close in the next uh, few months. <laughs> then I don't know what they do with it after that. But um, my, my, I spoke to my brother, who's, uh, who's a Rosh Kol in Palo Alto, California. Yes, there is a Kol in Palo Alto. <laughs> yes, there is a place, Palo Alto, California. <laughs> and yes, there is a Kol there, and there's a Rosh Kol there, and he's a Gavald Gatam Chacham. So uh, he, he, he said, simple Eitzah. Cut out the, just the forehead, you know, of Ed Lincoln over there. Just cut out the Shem Hashem, put that in Shemus. Take the, dollar, the rest of the bill. The, the law is that if you bring a, bro, a torn bill to a bank, as long as you have the majority of the bill, they have to replace it with a new one. So this way, you're not going to be getting rid of American money, which is what the Malchus is really concerned you're about. You're not allowed to cut the money either. You're not allowed to cut the money either. But over here, that might be the best answer. They prefer you cut it than destroy it, meaning at least they'll have a record of the bill and they'll know, you know what, was, what was exchanged. So he said, maybe that's the best date. So cut out the Shem Hashem. And uh, put the Shem Hashem in the and then bring you can bring the bill, and you can get the uh, and you get the five dollar bill replaced, and they can keep track of uh, of all the money that's out there. Yeah? So yeah, I mean, probably you could bury it. Probably the Dinim issue is not a big issue. I mean, the Gavna, you know, would the government be so worried about five dollars? Probably, probably not, you know. But but again, it's a more clever, more clever rate. So, yeah. Why don't you just keep it and use it as an example of where child you got? Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. But uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing for now. So that was one shayla. I'll do, I'll do one more, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. I don't want to overstay my welcome. Um, this one I just got this morning. I got an interesting email. Uh, someone, someone emailed me this. What? Yeah. Is there, I'm sure told, but is folding considered a I don't think so. You fold the you fold in the page on the safer, even though some people don't want to do that. Close the safer on each other. Oh, it's, it's, it's not separating to Yeah, I mean it's already so worn out, and the shame is pretty safe. I don't think it's folded. I don't think so. I have never seen that. Maybe the don't don't know don't know what all the posts can say, but I, I don't think so. Uh, so some of it we'll do a quick one, and then we'll. Uh, Someone called me, not called me, emailed me this morning. Um, it may have been last night. I went to sleep pretty early last night. But I picked it up at 5 o'clock this morning. So uh, the, the uh, email said, a fellow writes, writes that uh, someone owes him a couple of hundred dollars, a fair amount of money, and um, the guy doesn't want to pay him back. He knows that he owes him, and every time he asks for the money back, the guy says, uh, no, later, I don't have it, I don't want it. You know, just pushes him off every single time. So he says, he knows this guy. This guy is a very superstitious guy. Like, he's very into, uh, reminds me, one of the people that I asked, what do you think the UK Bafke is? He says, probably someone who's very into schoolers or whatever, and thought it would be a schooler for Hashirah, right? Shem Hashem. But anyway, so he said, this guy's a very superstitious guy. And I know that if I tell this guy that you should be cursed and you won't have any children and your, uh, your family's going to get ill and your house is going to burn down, if you don't pay me back, he'll pay me back the next day. Because he's very, he'd be very nervous if I told him something like that. So am I allowed to say that? I'll get my money back. That's going to work. 
and he's coming up on Shemitah. He feels like Shemitah Sarambam, where the Shemitah is going to be Mishami at the beginning of the year. So whatever, I can do a principle. But but uh, but he wants to know if he's uh, if he's if, if, if he's allowed to do that. If he's if there's any any problem with saying such a thing. You know what? Where do you open up a Shulchan Aruch? What? You can't curse someone. No? So is that a curse? You say your children are gonna you're not gonna have children if you don't pay me back. Is that a curse? Okay, good. Anything else? What? Oh, being cough for someone to pay back. Someone who's doing an Avera, can you can you use uh, very harsh words if someone's doing an Avera? Someone told me today uh, that Rashaftal Nuberger in uh, in Ner Yisrael, I don't remember the exact mice, but someone was doing something very, very bad. And he, he called the person up and gave some sort of koala that uh, the children should do. Something about the children, I don't want to say, but something, something really terrible. And he said that I have a messiah from a double cone that, uh, that in these kinds of situations you're allowed to give such a koala or whatever. I don't know, I don't know what the messiah is, but what else besides for the koala? Aside from just cursing or is you have to say is Ah, so is it, we have to look in the sugi of, of being makal someone. Is being makal without Shem Hashem considered being makal someone? Well, it's kal yeah. Not, not, that it's, not that it's using harsh words, but isn't there, isn't there an answer to force someone to pay back rent? No, the halach is that you're not allowed to... Uh, well, the halach is you've got to obey them. The halach is you've got to obey them. Um, the, the Shulchan Aruch talks about Take, I mean, the Sugis and the Gemara talk about taking a mashkon forcibly from a, you're supposed to go to the base, and the base is supposed to do all of, all of those things. Over here, you're not taking a mashkon, you're not forcing him to pay you. That's not what you're doing. You're saying things to him to make him pay you. Words you're generally allowed to use that will encourage him to pay you, unless unless the loan is not due yet. So, Stam Halva, for the first 30 days, you're not allowed to say anything. But after 30 days on a Stam Halva, you're allowed to you're allowed to demand your money back, and you're allowed to chep at him and bother him, and you know until until he gives you until he gives you the money back. <laughs> now, someone else said something else before, not just being makala, anastavarim. You know, they say mean things to people, so to to just say words that are mean to people. So, what are the gedarim exactly of anastavarim? Is there ever a hetter for anastavarim? The Ram writes in Ilchus Talmud Torah that a Rebbe, when he's teaching his Talmidim, shouldn't be makalo them and shouldn't uh, be maka them yosem midai but just enough is okay and you shouldn't overdo it because then it's gonna the talmidim are it's not gonna help their learning but to the extent that it helps their learning that is allowed to do it's not so much the style nowadays the old litvish of Rashi yeshiva you know you hear his stories they say of Salvechik before uh, before the year of triple avelus you know, when he mellowed after his wife died, but they say before, you know, when he was still in his full kaychus, before he was sick, people would they would fight over the seat that was behind the pillar in the room because then then Rav Salvage wouldn't see you. Because what would happen if he saw you? So he'd ask you to read a Gemara, and if you didn't read it properly, Ashikara Goya, you know, like that was the style. That's how the old Lipshah Rashi Shiva used to do it. You know, that was that's how they motivate the, the Talmudim. Nowadays, uh, the Talmudim would say, I don't need this, and they would just walk out, and that would, that would be the end. <laughs> right, exactly. So it would be, it would be a, a different story. So, but, but there is this idea that you're encouraging the Lima Torah, you're allowed to do it. The Ramah writes in Chosh and Mishpat. Where do we learn the Yisra of Anas Tavarim? From the, the, the Yisra of Anas in the Torah. So, so, uh, so the Ramah writes, yeah, only if he's B'tar of Mitzvah, only if he's someone who's, uh, who's a generally observant, generally religious person, the Ramah writes. If he's someone who's not, then you're allowed to berate him. One is allowed to berate a Russia. Is he a Russia? The guy doesn't want to pay you back. Is he a Russia? I don't know, Dovin seems, seems seems to think so. Love Russia, love Yishalim. So he's a Russia. But is that, okay, you know, that's cute, but is that, is that, is that what the Ramad meant? That a guy doesn't want to pay you back, so you're, you're, allowed, to, you're allowed to be raided? So I wasn't so, it, it certainly doesn't seem like the Ben Torah type of, uh, type of thing to do, to, uh, to practice Anas Tavarim in, in this way. Especially Anas Tavarim is a very, uh, it's a very significant issue. The repercussions of Anas Tavarim are pretty significant. It's a very, very significant issue. It's probably one of the more underrated Yisurim. I mean, a lot of people pay a lot of attention to Lashon Hara, rightfully so, because we, we violate that a lot also. But uh, 
you know, you, you're listening around to the way uh, children talk to each other, the way high school kids talk to each other. You hear more on Al-Stavarim than you hear than you hear Lashon Hara. You hear a lot of on Al-Stavarim so It's something that maybe, there are certain things when you deal with Shailas, um, that even if technically you might be able to fetch out a header, there are certain topics you just don't want to have, you don't want to tell people that you could be making on this. Like for example, and Dini issues. Stealing from a guy, stealing from the government. Okay, it's a, you know, you could fetch out a header. In this case, in that case, you know, if there's you never want to be making on these issues because you don't want to give the impression you don't want to see the guy that you're giving that you're giving a kula to on the front page of the New York Times. Because he took that kula and decided to take it ten steps further. It's just not not you know, when you see that, that the world is going in one direction, you sometimes have to push back in the other direction to, to hopefully hit the Shvil Azav, hit some sort of some sort of equilibrium. So, I, it certainly doesn't seem like something that, uh, that that one should be doing, but uh, the guy didn't pay you back. So you're allowed to tell him, I think, what I told the guy is you're allowed to tell him, and apparently David Amalek thinks you're a Russia. Love Russia, Rasha Shalom. And that kind of person, usually that would do the trick. If it does the trick to tell him, he's going to have all sorts of clothes. I don't know what the Rebbe Shalom is going to do with you. That's the Rebbe Shalom's issue, what he's going to do with you. But you're a lover of Rosh Hashanah. And that's, that, that, if, that, that you're allowed to say. That's a statement of fact. You know, it's also borders on Shechem. If you're telling the guy that I know that it's going to burn your house down and it's going to cause your children to have this problem and that problem. So it's either a quella or a Shechem. You know, one or the other. So you're probably not allowed to not allowed to do any of those. So those are Yisurim Daraisa. You're not allowed to violate Yisurim Daraisa just to get your money back. Now the Rebbe teaching the Talmidim, it's the it's the assumed way of motivating the Talmidim. That was the the accepted practice of uh, of motivating the Talmidim. So it's not bechlal liyisim. But if you're just stumped to get a person's money back, I didn't think that that was uh, that that was the appropriate way to get a person's to get a person's money back. Yeah. Why didn't bechlal liyisim? Even though you're motivating them, so they they still could feel whatever. You're why, even though you're doing the shame why is it not called Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. Why is it not called Yeser? The Raman Pasuk is the Why is it not called Because we assume, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. So they were showing they can't read Gemara? No, no, no. That's, uh, that's not the reason. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I presumably because that Kafi Darka Shaltara, and that's, you know, the good outweighs the bad. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the surah of how, how, to, how to teach Torah. That it's, you know, that's Safalei Ketura, and in order to be Safalei Ketura, you have to, you have to be on, on top of it. Yeah. Um, isn't there a problem of calling a guy of Russia? Because many, don't many folks can see that nowadays most people are doing Shanishwa, so you need to do other on Yeah, so the, 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 on, it, actually, Post can talk about this in the context of Anas Tavarim also, and they say that Homer Ramah is not Shayat anymore because uh, everyone's doing, like the Kazanish writes at the beginning of your day, that everyone's a team of Shanishwa nowadays. Um, Post can extend the Chaznish more than the Chaznish actually says. Chaznish says the Tinshnish was the Tinshnish. They, they, so later Post can say, ah, even if he was raised from, but the Yetzir Har is so big that everyone's a Tinshnish for now. No, Post can say it like that. Because, and you hear it, you hear it a little bit that the Yetzir is so, we, don't, we can't even relate to. It's, it's, it's hard. There's a, there's, there's a lot of Yetzir Haras out there. But, but to say a guy who's a from guy, who borrows money and doesn't pay back? Is it Tinuk Shanishba? I'm borrowing money and not paying back. I mean, there's got to be some limit to where you say Tinuk Shanishba. The guy's a, he's a from person. He borrowed money. He's a, he's a Shomer Shabbos. He's Shomer everything else except for paying you back your money. So I think that's uh, that's just an act, an overt act of richness. I don't think. It would be an issue like like gambling, where the person we say that the money doesn't really belong to the person who wins the money in some instances. That's smart. Yeah. So the, what? So how does that connect? So here. He, he's being told that about the curses and everything, so he gives the money. Maybe that's like losing it. He doesn't really plan to give, but he's giving you back your money. By the gambling, you're taking his, you know, taking money that belongs to him. He's giving you back your money. I'll tell you one thing, and with this we'll close. We'll close on an interesting note. I read recently something. I like to read like these pop psychology books sometimes because it's good for drushes, and it also gives insight into the human mind. So the, uh, the I read recently they did a they did a study. Um, some, some Canadian psychologists, and it, it just like opened up a smack to every time I speak about gambling, every time I've ever given a share, every time I've learned Sanhedrin, 
and you try to explain a smach, you try to explain what it means that it's gezel midrabanu because the person doesn't want to really give up. What do you mean? I'm sitting down at the blackjack table because I know that I might lose, and I know I know the house always wins. I know I'm going to give up the money. I know I'm going to, you know. And the other guy that's sitting with me also. I always say it's no problem to lose. It's a problem to win. You're taking someone else's money. You can lose all you want, but but I I, I know exactly what's going what's going to happen. And the person that's sitting at the table with me knows exactly what's going to happen. What would be the problem? What would be the? How does this make any sense? I saw the following. A couple of Canadian psychologists did a study of people at the racetrack, and they asked them five seconds or 30 seconds before they placed their bet, which horse they thought was going to win, and they told them which horse they thought was going to win, how much confidence, they rated their confidence on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that horse is going to win? Le Mushel, if they said, if on average people said on a scale of 1 to 10, about a 4, that the horse is going to win, then they asked people... 30 seconds after they place their bet. Now, mind you, nothing changed from 30 seconds before they placed the bet to 30 seconds after they placed the bet, other than the fact that they placed the bet. The horse didn't change, the jockey didn't change, the competition didn't change. Just the fact that this person placed the bet changed. And the average score, I'm making up the numbers, but the average score, instead of being a four in terms of how confident they are, it was going to win, became an eight. Because the human mind works in such a way and there's a, it's a gewaltig insight into the way the Yitzhahara works. That when you do something, when you've done a Misa, the Gemara says if a person is over Avera Vishanaba, it's not slow Keheter, when you've done a Misa, you now have to form the rest of your life to fit that Misa. Because no one likes stiras. No one likes to live a stira. So if I put my money down and I said with my money that I believe this horse is going to win, I will now convince myself that I really believe this horse is going to win. Because people don't like living with Stevens. I saw that and I said, that's Asmachta. That's exactly what the Gemara is talking about. That the person, what does it mean he doesn't want to give up? He knows the rules. Yeah, he knows the rules. What do you mean he doesn't think he's going to lose? He knows the odds of the game. Is anyone here a Jets fan? <laughs> no, at the beginning, no one wants to admit it. But at the beginning of the season, every Jets fan says, you know, we, we might actually go 10-6 and six this year and make the playoffs and go on a run and we might actually... Oh, are you insane? It's not actually going to happen. It never happened. Why would it, why would it happen now? Why would it happen now? But when you bought a, a closet full of green jerseys and you, you, know, and you invested all your uh, Sundays growing up, you know, cheering and rooting, so you have to convince yourself that you really believe it. So that's exactly what Asmacht is. Of course you know you might lose, but now you don't really think you're going to lose anymore. Once you're, you're in, once you put the money down, you don't believe you're going to lose anymore. So I thought that was Mamish the Pshad and Asmacht. With that, we'll close. We'll uh, meet again next week. Thank you very much for having me.